Quiet on the set, quiet on the set. All right, lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another edition of The House That Alan Built. I'm Scott Martin. with me as always. We don't have Greg today. He broke his tailbone. No, he didn't, but he did uh, do something a little foolish that any Bill's Mafia member would be proud of. So here we go. So Greg couldn't be here today. He's resting his body, but I'm here and I've got my buddy Chris watching. He might jump in on the next episode, which will be our preview for the Bengals matchup. So let's get to it. The Bills at Dolphins, episode 33. Recap, our predictions, we didn't we didn't predict very well. The over-under was 43 and a half. That obviously was the over. So we both hit on that. But as far as the Bills being 14-point favorites and us going quite a bit over that, they won. But it was 34 to 31. It was by a field goal. So the Dolphins did quite a bit to, uh, to cause us to struggle on offense. And Josh Allen had another fumble, several, he had three fumbles, but one of them was actually lost. So three touchdowns, two interceptions. I want to go over the implied score was 29-15, which would have been those 14 points. As you know, the Bills won by three points, which is DeMar Hamlin's number. That game between the Bills and the Dolphins was the most watched wildcard game in nine years, according to Buffalo Rumblings. The stat of the week, the Bills are now 4-1 and one against the Dolphins in the postseason. That includes the 90s era and then 2023. Previous matchup this season, as you know, this is the third time the Bills faced the Dolphins. The Dolphins were 2-0. and The Bills were 2-0. and We went down to Miami September 25th during that hot day when the heat index was 120 on the field. Miami, of course, their home field advantage was not only the heat, but the Bills had the sun directly in their face where Miami had the shadow on their half of the field, which sucks. But as you could see, Allen was exhausted. At the end of the game, you could tell when he was given a, a hug to Tua that it was just, he was drained of everything possible. So the second time they, they got together, Miami uh, was seven-point underdogs, and they kept it close once again. That was a 32-29 victory for the Bills. So once again, three points. Allen had uh, 300 yards, where the first game he had 400 yards, and the Bills had 500 yards in offense. So all three games, when you're looking at the box score, you'll see that the Bills dominated. But it's that Miami defense, and it's us getting in our own ways. There's a lot of stupid mistakes that Allen makes, especially in the red zone. In his first four years in the league, he had two red zone interceptions. This year, he's had five. We can't have that in the playoffs, especially because if we've got three more games between the Bengals, and we win that, the Chiefs, then we win that. Then we got to face someone in the NFC like Hertz and the Eagles or Prescott and the Cowboys or the Niners, who are the best defense in the league. We cannot afford to do that. And this year was up and down, up and down, up and down. And you can always count on Allen correcting his mistakes, but then he has slip-ups when he becomes complacent and doesn't take what the defense gives him, throws too deep for the home run hot, hot shot. And it doesn't always work, especially when you're throwing to a rookie. But there were some drops on both sides of the ball. Skylar Thompson, he did his best. 18 for 45. That's 45 attempts for a seventh-round rookie. And 18 of them were completions. He had two interceptions, one touchdown to Kaseki. And overall, his QBR was 44.7. Not that great. I thought he was more mobile. He had two rushes for three yards. So anytime we got him outside of the pocket, he was just looking to throw it away. He was looking to, to get it away because he didn't want to be sacked, which is <laughs> exactly what happened to Josh Allen. He was sacked seven times. And even though he threw for 352 and his QBR was 93.1, it just did. He looked off. You know, the, that first drive, he looked great. He threw it right down the middle, got, got digs a couple times and we had a couple drops, but we at least scored. 
And then we give it to Miami. We get the ball back again. We go up 17-0, which was 21-0, but they called back a Knox drop. And we ended up going 17-17 right before halftime. We kicked a field goal and went up 20-17. That game was an nail-biter and way too close for comfort. When you're playing a division rival, you're likely to have a close matchup. But I did not expect it to be that close. Allen, if uh, he were to throw three touchdown passes or more this week against the Bengals, he would set an NFL record. Right now, there are three quarterbacks in NFL history who have thrown for 20 touchdowns in their first nine playoff games. Allen has 17 after seven, so he could set a record with 20 in eight games. With that being said, we get into our offense. Singletary, 10 rushes, 48 yards. Cook, 12 rushes, 39 yards. They averaged about three or four yards per carry. Wasn't bad. Allen only rushed four times for 20 yards, but a five-yard average, I'll take it. Against the Bengals, I'm thinking, especially going against Sam Hubbard and some of these other guys, that their, their defensive ends are their strength. And our offensive tackles are hit or miss. And Dawkins, who's our by far our best lineman, he had he got blown up a couple of times. So if he can run and break free of those defensive ends who are rushing on the corners, I'm thinking that we'll be fine. As you know, Burrow is good against the pass rush. So is Josh Allen. But Josh Allen has made a lot more mistakes than Burrow. So they may only rush four. The Bills can't afford to rush four and or rush more than four and get to Burrow because he's more likely to stay in the pocket and make mistakes and get sacked than he is to throw an interception when you're blitzing him and taking a chance with less guys in coverage. Dawson Knox had a touchdown again. That is his fifth touchdown. One touchdown in five consecutive games. Maybe uh, he could be the, the Gabe Davis in the playoffs. Speaking of which, Gabe Davis had 113 yards and touchdown. That was one yard shy of Diggs, 114 yards. Diggs, is, he's been reliable every game. And I think a lot of that has to come down to not having Beasley all year. So the only one he could really rely on was Diggs. He was throwing a lot of passes to Davis, but he became known for those drops this year. And he's really worked on the jugs machine. That's the that's the machine that you would u- normally use for baseball or softball. And they have one for footballs as well. So he'll sit there after practice and catch 130 balls nonstop. He's the last one in the weight room, the last one on the field. In the offseason, that's all he does. He just He's had some... Easy catches he's dropped, and then the super hard ones are the ones that he makes insane catches. It's a lot like Knox in that regard. Davis had 113. That's playoff Davis. We'll get into more of his stats um, in the next episode, a breakdown from each year. It's only his third year, and he's 26 years old, so there's a lot of hope for him in the future. And Beasley, who was actually officially signed to the active roster where he was being elevated previously, like John Brown from the practice squad, he is officially signed to the active roster, so... He will be with us for the rest of the season through the playoffs. Hopefully there's a lot more games. He had uh, two catches on five targets for 35 yards. Hines had one catch on two targets for seven yards. Brown had one target, no catches. And uh, Morris, Quint Morris was one of one for 12 yards. As far as our defense, Buffalo and Miami are both tied for 13th in the league for sacks. And in this game, Miami sacked us seven times. We were able to get to Thompson four times. I expected more, especially going against a rookie. Uh, Milano had two sacks in this game. He's very effective. He actually is the most effective when he's sent in for a blitz than any other player in the entire NFL. He had three and a half sacks during the regular season and two sacks so far in the playoffs in one game. Not bad for him. Oliver had a sack and Boogie Basham had a sack. As far as interceptions go, Buffalo ranks fourth with 17. 
Miami ranks 29th with eight. The Bills had two interceptions. The Dolphins had two interceptions. So it was a pretty sloppy game. It was a close game. There was a lot of scoring. It's kind of what you want to see in a divisional, well, I could say divisional, a divisional opponent, but in the wild card round. Matt Milano had 10 tackles and two sacks. Taron Johnson, seven tackles and a pass defense. Edmonds, who had a massive hit, had five tackles and four passes defense. Basham had the five tackles and one sack we mentioned. Marlowe had four tackles. He's the one that's been filling in for DeMar Hamlin, who filled in for Micah Hyde, who is currently in the 21-day window where he's practicing now, but he's not able to play in the game. He's already been ruled out for this weekend. There's speculation if the Bills move on, he may be playing against the Chiefs if we play them or the Jaguars. Miami's Xavier Howard had three tackles and one interception with two pass defense. And Javon Holland, between Howard and Holland, their safety and cornerback, those two are unbelievable with interceptions and passes defense. They're in coverage like Poyer and White are when they're in their prime. I just I enjoy watching them. I don't like seeing them play against the Bills because they, they we we did have two receivers over 100 yards, but it wasn't because of them. It was usually the other corners here. Bradley Chubb had a sack. Jerome Baker had seven tackles and a sack. Elijah Campbell had half a sack with Jalen Phillips, who last time gave us a lot of trouble. Phillips is a very good uh what is he a tackle yes he's a tackle christian wilkins four tackles and a sack and if you remember josh allen pushing wilkins that wasn't because of this game if you remember they they go back they have history it's the same guy that grabbed josh allen's nuts (laughs) and it's the same one who's hit him cheap shots here and there you'll look in other plays when you watch the all 22 version of the full full field You'll see them going at it in other plays, not just the ones where the camera focuses on them. (laughs) The biggest thing is Allen is undersized by 70 pounds, and when he pushed Wilkins, he actually fell. Allen's the one who fell, but he got up, held his own, pushed him a couple more times, and then he started to fight all of his offensive linemen, especially Mitch Morris and Spencer Brown came over and just pile drove Wilkins to the ground. It was funny because Allen turned around and just kind of walked away after he started the fight, and they had offsetting penalties, which I think is stupid in the NFL. When there's three guys on one team and one on the other, I feel like the one who has more penalties actually should get penalized. And in this case, it would have been against the Bills. And it's kind of Josh Allen's fault. I know Wilkins initiated a hit, but when a quarterback is making a football move and they no longer have the ball, they're on the defense, you're allowed to block them. I I respect his linemen defending him because Allen kind of picked up uh, right from there and, and didn't like Wilkins. And a lot of it had to do with much more than just that play, whether it was you consider it dirty or not. But anyway, got a little chippy in the wild card round. The Dolphins' Raheem Mostert, thank God he was out. Last time he had over 100 yards against us, but uh, unfortunately he has a broken thumb, and they had a bunch of banged-up linemen. I expected us to do better against them. Robert Hunt, who is their their stud uh, guard, he had to move the tackle, which he played in college as well. Um, their offensive line being so decimated, I expected us to be the ones with seven sacks. So it's a little disappointing since Von Miller's gone out, Rousseau and Basham and Oliver and all the rest of the defensive line, they haven't really elevated their game as much. For the first couple of games, they did. And since then, it's just been less than impressive. Isaiah McKenzie was out. He has a hamstring. Now, this week, I believe he's been practicing. Uh, yesterday, they did a walkthrough, and he was considered um, limited. And then today, he was full on Thursday. Um but that, that allowed Cole Beasley to play more, and I think going forward that may happen, unfortunately. As much as I like the face of the franchise, Isaiah McKenzie, I feel like um, Beasley is more reliable and he's got a lot more experience. But Micah Hyde um, and Jamison Crowder are both practicing. 
They are in that 21-day window, like I've mentioned before, but Hyde has been ruled out for this week. And of course, Crowder's not activated either. He, uh, We may not see him because it's a crowded wide receiver room right now, but Hyde, we would all welcome back with open arms. Other matchups around the league. We've got um, Saturday's games. We had Seattle Seahawks, number seven seed. They lost to San Francisco. It was close. I thought Geno Smith did well in the first half, and then 49ers just pulled away and trounced him. Uh, 41 to 23. Then the Chargers were up 27 nothing and blew that lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions in the first half. He was able to overcome that and lead them to victory 31-30. And because of that, they've had some fireys. Their offensive coordinator for um, the Chargers has now been let go. So Staley is Brandon Staley is retaining his job, but they have let go of their offensive coordinator. Then Sunday's games, we had Minnesota Vikings, the number three seed, who I've been pounding the tables about how they've won eleven of all eleven of their one score games, right? Especially the Bills won in overtime. It's a little touchy. I was at the game, but the Bills, I feel like as much as they've had up and down season, they're thirteen and three. They lost three games by a total of eight points. Where the Vikings, when they lost, they got blown out. And in this game, they went against the number six seed Giants and lost 31-24. Greg's brother, Darren, has been mentioning all season how their offensive coordinator on third and short, third and long, doesn't matter, he's throwing little dump-off passes that are three to five yards short of the six. It doesn't make sense, especially when you have Delvin Cook, and you've got Kirk Cousins being able to throw 1,800 yards to Justin Jefferson, who, to me, was obviously a top-five player in the league. He could he's probably going to be a MVP finalist. In my opinion, if it wasn't just a QB award unofficially, Jefferson, 1,800 plus yards, it's just unreal. Uh, and they still managed to screw it up. So good for Brian Dayball and the Giants. I'll be rooting for them, even though they've got a, a tough battle next week or this weekend. Number 16, Baltimore, which is another divisional game against Cincinnati in the wild card round. They lost a tough one. It was a 14-point swing. It was 17-17. Baltimore was at the goal line about to score, and Huntley jumped up about a half yard short. Ball got swatted. Sam Hubbard ran it back 98 yards for a fumble return for a touchdown. That was pretty heartbreaking for Baltimore, who now has officially canned their offensive coordinator after six years, Greg Roman. I felt like he didn't do enough with J.K. Dobbins, who was very pissed after the game. When you've got a running back, it's a lot like that Seattle loss in the Super Bowl where they decided to throw it. Marcus, Marcus Peters gets it, and of course... Everyone knows what happened after that. The Patriots won. You have a running back who's just been a stud since he's come back from injury, and you you flubbed it. You screwed up. That 14-point swing, you can't come back from with five minutes left in the game. I don't care who you are. Obviously, Mr. Tom Brady couldn't come back from being behind either this weekend. Sam Hubbard had the third longest defensive touchdown in NFL postseason history and was the longest fumble return. And do you know who number one is? Who's tied for number one? That's Taron Johnson against the Baltimore Ravens. 101 yards, coincidentally, against the same team back in 2020. And a tie for first in 1993, George Teague. Number two was James Harrison for Pittsburgh. It was 100 yards. And a tied for three is Daryl Ray for the New York Jets at 98 yards. Monday night's game, number four, Tampa Bay, who backed into the playoffs as a number four seed, but because they won their hapless division, they were 8-9 and nine with a losing record first time in... Brady's career that he went into the postseason with a losing record, but just like last year, he was one and done. They lost 
to uh, uh, Dallas, 31-14. People expected that to be a lot closer because Brady was previously 7-0 against Dallas. So that makes this week's bracket the AFC number one KC, who was on by, will face the number four Jacksonville Jaguars at home at Arrowhead. The number two Buffalo Bills will face the Cincinnati Bengals. This time, it'll be a full game, no contest, and that'll be in Buffalo. And in the NFC, you've got Philly, who was on by, now playing the Giants, hosting them at home in Philly. And the number two San Francisco 49ers are hosting the number five Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Bucks fire offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. This is only a year after him being a finalist for the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching position. So the good news is there's a lot of head coaching vacancies. So he could interview for one of those. Maybe uh, the silver lining here is that he gets an opportunity to go elsewhere because Brady might be retiring. Uh, his numbers for the previous three years were great. He was number three, number two, and number three, I believe, uh, as far as the offense, points per game, and, and overall. And then this year they slid to 25th. He had 18.4 points per game, and you're out of here. I feel like that's a scapegoat issue. I don't think Byron Leftwich was the issue whatsoever. But I digress. Greg Roman, as I mentioned in Baltimore, they mutually part ways, which means he accepted being fired. He didn't have a choice. I felt like six seasons was was a long time for him there. He's been inept other than running. And this year when you're not looking to your running back Dobbins at the goal line, when you have a backup quarterback starting for you who's giving you the go-ahead score and you flub it, yeah, you got to go. You can't jump over when everyone's crowded to the middle. You need to go under or around or hand it off to J.K. Dobbins, maybe. So Greg Roman, bye-bye. I think they also did that to appease Dobbins and Jackson, who they're trying to have negotiations with this offseason. Jackson represents himself. They didn't sign him for his fifth-year option, so they dragged their feet all the way through where obviously he's done more than enough to secure a... Um, a new contract, and one that may or may not be with the Baltimore Ravens. He could end up in the AFC East. He could go to the Jets, where they have Garrett Wilson and some of these other young receivers. And obviously, like I said, Brees Hall, and then they traded for the running back from the Jaguars. Uh, will Tom Brady re uh, retire or come back? What do you think over there, Chris? He's going to keep playing. Jesus. You know, he loses his wife. He goes to a second franchise, spends three years there. Wins the Super Bowl the first year. It's a feel-good story. Second year, one and done in the playoffs. Third year, one and done. He still was second in the league in yards as a quarterback, even though he looked like shit. I felt like so many missed opportunities with Mike Evans, with uh, Godwin, with the running backs. They're just lucky to have a, a young set of receivers still. Mike Evans is not that old. And he's had like six or seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. I feel like Brady's going to be moving on, maybe even to the Raiders or something like that. They're betting a lot on that. And if, don't forget that Josh McDaniels, who comes through the, the Patriots uh, regime of Bill Belichick's uh, quarterbacks and quarterbacks' coaches and then offensive coordinators, I don't see him with the Raiders. Do you? I do not. <laughs> I do not. Okay, well, the Titans, we, we keep talking about, I'm, I'm talking about firings. They hired the 49ers director of player personnel, Rand Carthen, as their new general manager. And I believe he becomes the eighth black general manager in the NFL. I know a lot of people think the Rooney rule is a farce, but hey, one-fourth of the NFL GMs are represented by African-Americans. Uh, the Colts have interviewed Dan Quinn, which is a Cowboys defensive coordinator. Obviously, the Cowboys are still in the playoffs. Here's the, the funny part. Not the funny part, the tricky part. Dan Quinn coached, he was the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, whose quarterback at the time was Matt Ryan, who the Colts ended up having. 
and they had trouble with him. So after benching him a couple times, are they going to double down and try to get Dan Quinn and then keep Matt Ryan, who's, what, 38 now? I don't know. It's it's a little weird. I do think Dan Quinn deserves an opportunity, but he might be another one of those Rex Ryans where they're a lot better at being a defensive coordinator than they are a head coach, and that might be the situation with him. Uh, other people that the Colts have interviewed, Mike Kafka from the Giants, he is 35 in the offensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryans is a 49ers defensive coordinator, and he's being interviewed as well. He's only 38. Don Wink Martindale, 59. He is the former defensive coordinator for the... Uh, Broncos, the Ravens, and the Giants. And they have other interviews with Aaron Glenn, Shane Steichen, uh, Ben Johnson, Raheem Mostert, Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City, Ajiro Aviro, uh, Buddy Vitrone, and Jeff Saturday, who is the interim head coach. They just interviewed him, I believe, today. That's 12 interviews for the vacancy of head coach. So Jim Mercy has his plate full. Other head coaching vacancies? As of the regular season, you have the Texans, the Carolina Panthers, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Denver Broncos, which, funny enough, Nathaniel Hackett, who went from the Bills to the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers made him look good, and then he went over to head coach for the Broncos, and they're thinking, oh, man, he's going to be lucky to have Russell Wilson. He's one and done. He's out. So we'll see if... uh, if he actually gets an opportunity to be a head coach again, I sure as hell hope not. But he is um, actually going for an offensive coordinator job for the New York Jets. We will see. I just have to laugh at that. I don't think that that's the right move for the Jets. But, hey, have at it. Make the AFC East a little weaker for the Bills. Cardinals wide receiver coach and assistant head coach is interviewing for the Patriots offensive coordinator job. As you know, they had a defensive coordinator. You know, Bill Belichick's always trying to look outside of the box, and he gets Matt Patricia, his former defensive coordinator, to start play calling on the offense. As much as they did okay, Mac Jones improved in some regard. That was not the right move, and I don't think he's going to be retained, which is why they're doing these other interviews. So yeah, Cardinals, he's not only a wide receivers coach, um, but he's assistant head coach. We'll see what he does. The other option is Alabama's Bill O'Brien, who also comes from the Bill Belichick tree, is getting an interview in Arizona. Patriots have requested permission to speak with the Vikings wide receiver coach, Keenan McCardell, for their offensive coach job as well. And Bill Belichick's coaching tree has now only two more playoff wins by head coaches from his tree than Sean McDermott's tree. Brian Dable obviously has a playoff victory already, but that, that goes to show you that Bill Belichick, who's been an amazing head coach and GM in the eyes of the NFL for over 20 years, just didn't really get guys that like sticked in the league as head coaches. Maybe they're good defensive coordinators or other coordinators, but I think the way Belichick coaches, he's very hard-nosed and kind of tough. And when you listen to his post-game pressures, just has no energy, no personality. But then I've seen him where he's sitting there with news anchors and, and sports center, and he's all chipper and talking like normal. And it feels so weird because He's actually a normal human being when he's not talking to these guys at news reporters that he hates. It, clearly, he hates them. Okay, last but not least, ESPN named Josh Allen the number two player on the top 100 MVP list around the league. So out of the most valuable players in the top 10, it's Mahomes number one, Allen number two, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and number five, Justin Jefferson. Number six, Tyreek Hill. Seven, Justin Herbert. Eight, Trevor Lawrence. Nine, Miles Garrett. 
and 10, Nick Bosa. Like I've previously said in other episodes, I think Nick Bosa could easily be defensive MVP of the year. I think he had 18 and a half sacks going into the last game of the regular season. I have no idea, but I think he's probably over 20 at this point. But that'll do it for other league news. So we've got the Buffalo Bills recap of the Bills versus the Dolphins. Bills squeak by 34-31. You've got a bunch of hirings and firings and other outcomes. And as you know, there's four more matchups. Eliminate down to the uh, AFC Championship to the Super Bowl, which is going to be played in Arizona this year. So I would love for that to be the Bills. I think that would be a pretty easy flight to go to. Chris, would you go? I am going. You are going? Yes, I am. You're going to uh, the Atlanta game, aren't you? I'm trying to do both. <laughs> I'm trying to do both. He's off camera going, I'm trying to do both. The Josh Allen card of the day, I've got this 2018 Origins. What I like most about this card is that it was a Ralph Wilson at the time, I believe it was still, it was new era. This was a stadium exclusive card that they put in a pack with the rest of the 2018 rosters. There was like probably seven cards I have from that pack. This is his rookie card, which you could have only gotten if you were at the stadium that game. So that's my favorite, one of my favorite cards. I love the Origin series in general from Panini. And I've got DeMar Hamlin still here because hopefully this weekend he's going to be at that game because he's been in the facility now. Not only was he back in Buffalo and rehabbing uh, at home, but with the team. And now he's been in the facility every day. I suspect he's going to be running through that tunnel um, along with Eric Moulds this weekend. I want to give a big shout out to the cheerful bullpen and Amy, the co-owner there. She uh, welcomed us in there to do a live show. If you missed it, I will link that in the description. If you're listening to this podcast, it should have already been posted as episode 32. I want to reference back to Greg's epic uh, table smash. So we normally get these lifetime tables that are $65. He went to Walmart and got this cheap plastic table that was $44. We probably could have karate chopped through it, but... He went up high because, as we learned from my wedding, I tried to jump through that lifetime table and it took four other guys jumping on me and the table to break it because it's durable. It was good. The hardware for this one was not. The, the screws went ping, ping, and he went straight to the ground, barely broke his fall, and I would suspect he's got a nice little uh, tailbone that's crooked for a while. So he, uh, he took a break from the episode. All right, well, that's going to do it. This is episode 33 of The House at Allen Build. I'm Scott Kamartin. Greg's not with me as always, but he's in here, uh, right here in my heart. But we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Let's go, Buffalo! Ah! <laughs> <sighs> All right, check, check, check. One, two, here we go. That was DeMar Hamlin. You want me to grab some powder for your nose? Are you my fluffer? <laughs> Thanks, babe. Appreciate it. Yeah, this I'll come is... back and do an episode of the next year. Yeah? <clears throat> well, you're going to do one uh, today, right? I'm going to try. Okay, good. Uh, you know, sometimes we cut each other off. Sometimes he's stuttering or I, you know, uh, ramble on something that had nothing to do with it. You see I improvise a bit here and there. Um, a couple times I screwed up. It's whatever. Usually there's bloopers. Um, I probably won't even include them in this one just to get an episode up.